<sighs> so let's be grateful together. Grateful and thankful that perfect love is all we are. Grateful and thankful that we get to gather together and remember our true nature, our true identity. Grateful and thankful that we gather together for the purpose of recognizing our holiness, our perfection, the beauty and truth of who we are and whose we are. So grateful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and to recognize and remember our true nature. So grateful to dedicate this time together to our healing, our expansion, our clarity, more peace, more love, more joy. In gratitude, we accept and allow the healing that is ours to receive. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let the healing be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Hmm. Yes. <laughs> So I am uh, very grateful for our opportunity to gather here together. Uh, for those of you who know uh, Linda Soto, I'm with Linda. We're in Rhode Island at uh, Richard. We've been in Ascension Pathway for a few years. And uh, we just came back from seeing Angela who uh and the new baby justine so that was wonderful to see angela and her husband and the baby so feeling very blessed and bountiful right here and we are going to start our class here with uh a um uh a breakout, short breakout, and to discuss the, the ahas, the insights, the breakthroughs that we have had in the last week. So just a quick little breakout to discuss maybe you had in the last week uh, there was something that you um, were challenged by and you were able to stay in your loving heart or to learn from it, to really feel like you received the wisdom from your experience. So something that you can share in the breakout that uh, some inspiration, some aha, some learning, just a quick uh, breakout here. So I'm going to unmute everyone. And let's see here. Let's make sure I got everybody in the breakout. And oh. all right, welcome back. And uh, I, uh, I just like to do a little bit of housekeeping before we go into the main part of today's class. So we're in December now. What? How did that happen? 
so uh, in case you aren't sure, just to let you know that we have a class Monday the 10th, Monday the 17th, and then the last class will be on the weekend. Uh, I believe it's going to be on the 29th. Uh, at the time that we would uh, sometimes have a community call. So that'll be our last class of the year because uh, the 24th is Christmas Eve and the 31st is New Year's Eve. So we're not having classes those two nights. And um, so we, we often end on a Saturday, a Saturday morning community call for those of us in the US. So that's, that's our schedule. And so I have a few things that I'd like to share with you uh, before the end of the year and before we close out. And one thing I'd like to do is a bit of housekeeping is to see if people have questions about year two. And if you would like to have, uh, have me organize a conversation with you, you're thinking of it, but you're not sure, and you'd like to know more about it. And of course, you can uh, book an appointment uh, like an exploratory call to talk with Linda or, or Lori or Angela about uh, that, what, what that is like year two. So, uh, but does anybody have any questions that you'd like to ask me right now as a bit of housekeeping about uh, year two? Uh, well, at, we're going to start, so Sheila's asking, when will year two start? So I'm going to be doing a New Year's Reboot class, and I haven't quite made up my mind yet because it, it depends a little bit on my family, uh, but it's either going to be January 1st or January 5th. That will be the first class for all Masterful Living. All Masterful Living goes to the first class. And then uh, I am doing a five-day self-sabotage, self-medication challenge, and that is going to be January 7th to the 11th, January 7th to the 11th. And so it's not required for Masterful Living to attend that, but I strongly ask you to please consider it because let's let's just tackle that right away early in the year and uh, look at self-sabotage self-medication and really clear that out so that's uh, going to be happening then and then we'll have um, uh, masterful living I actually, let's see. Um, year two, we'll, we'll do a survey, as we always do, to see what time people would like. 
and it's going to be either the 15th or the 22nd. Let me see if I can look that up for you. But it'll be, that's, it'll be something. Oh, here it is. No, that's. Uh, hmm. Bring it off the top of my head. Uh, oh, here it is. Wait a minute. The 22nd. Masterful Living Year 2 begins on the 22nd. Because you're going to have things to do in, uh, uh, you'll be invited. Fourteenth, we we always do um, New Year's uh, work that we all do the whole of Masterful Living, so you'll be coming to that. So you'll. Master for Living 2 on the 22nd. And we'll be doing the um, activation sessions. You'll be doing another activation session for year two. And I will also mention here that there are usually um, a number of people that like to repeat the first year that they feel like they haven't really, really explored the curriculum. Maybe people were listening to some, but not all of the classes, but didn't really do much of the uh, inner work or didn't really do much of the um, work in the workbooks. And so they feel like, okay, I got a good foundation. Now I'd like to take year one again and do more of the work. And some people will take year one, three, four, five times before they feel ready to move to year two. So year two, we really focus much of the year on healing, looking at healing from all kinds of different angles and going deeper. And everybody in year two participate in year one like right here I can see Paula who comes to many of the year one classes and there's Laurel to many and we've got um, Lori there and we've got others here who come to the year one hey Lori and um, I don't know if any of you who are here from year two would like to share uh, your your feeling about year two versus year one, if you'd like to. Anybody has any specific questions for them? Go ahead, Paula. Um, I think it's the best of all possible worlds when you get to proceed in, into Masterful Living too with all the healing possibilities there and and just going in deeper and be able to come back and review masterful living one with everyone because it's different you know each class is like its own being 
and uh, uh, I I try not to miss a, a masterful living one class or two definitely <laughs> I want to see what's next where are we going from here and uh, so I would I would invite you to to join it's amazing and very very healing <coughs> I think my internet is breaking up or yours is Paula I do no, you yours yours hear the last part oh um uh, I, I was just saying that I think it would be to everybody's great good to proceed to do Masterful Living 2 and uh, uh, come back to one, you know, and I try to do both of those every week. It keeps me on track with my own spiritual growth. Um, it's a constant reminder and it's just so full. It makes your life just so full with um, all this divinity and all this beauty and all these angelic beings that meet for both Masterful Living One and Two. I would, I would, and I, I will go, but if I go, I don't know what you do with Masterful Living Three. <laughs> you know, that's to be determined, but I would probably go back to one. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Year two varies more from year to year. The curriculum will change more, whereas the year one curriculum is more um, similar year to year. And uh, although this year we did the classes on money and we haven't done anything on that um, before in year one. Uh, I, this is my 10th year of doing year one and I love it every year. I love going back to the basics. I love just reviewing it. I, I discover new things in my uh, sharing in the class every year. And so I find it very productive to go over and over the same uh, basics. I really do. And that's one of the reasons why um, I'm sorry, my internet connection is so unstable here. I don't know what I can do to improve it. Um, but let me let me just see here because I'm I'm not anywhere that I'm normally at. So let me pause it, and I'll let you talk amongst yourselves. Um, in terms of integrating what we learned in Masterful Living One, and then being able to apply it to what was happening in my life, and I feel like I. <laughs> I, I, in a certain way, I really believe I got transformed and reborn in Masterful Living too. I don't know if that's other people's experiences, but it was for me. And I, I oh my gosh, if I had left after um, Masterful Living 1, I'm sure I would have thought that was a great experience. But I would have missed um, some amazing he inner healing um, that's 
that's still happening and, and I'm sure will continue. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That was beautiful. I see Lori and, and Paula both nodding along with you there, Laurel. Mm, good. Mm -hmm. And Dina. <laughs> you know, one of the great things that happens in year two is the number of people in the class gets smaller. And so you have, you'll have another round of about four prayer partners, maybe five, in the year. And so by the end, Huge difference for those who are tremendous growth for a lot of people. Magical facilitation to step up and hold the space for other people. I'm not sure if you're all um, here. Hearing me correctly, I'm going to see if I can close some other programs here. The thing that's happening is that the um, internet here is just not stable right now. Hmm. All right, any other questions about year two? I think one of the things that will be helpful is to gather a group of uh, folks who've done year two and uh, maybe they can community call and you can ask questions. Because uh, that's always good to just have a dialogue and ask any questions that you're thinking of. All right. So, uh, one of the things I'd like to talk about today is the one of the things that can get triggered for a lot of people at this time of year when there's all kinds of holiday foods and alcohol and parties and all kinds of activities is that people can uh, experience overwhelm and revert a little bit to old patterns. And it can seem as though all the work that you've done was for nothing, but that is not true. What's happening is the last vestiges and attachments of those patterns are coming up for healing. That's really what's going on. And the universe does not test us. It gives us opportunities 
to be very clear about what we're interested in and what we're choosing. And one of the things that is very common for most human beings is what I'll call negative pleasure, right? So we go seeking after pleasure that actually generates a lot of negativity, right? So we can think of all kinds of bodily um, pleasures that actually it's not even a real pleasure. It's actually not that enjoyable. Sometimes it can be like, think of a drug addict that the first time they did that drug, they got so high and they had a very pleasurable experience, but they can never have it again, right? Um, people who are addicted to crystal meth, one of the big problems is they have to do more and more and more to try and even come close to capturing that first original high and they can't do it. And that's why a lot of them um, uh, just overdose because they can't get close to it. And we can do that. We can go down that pathway of negative pleasure for many different reasons. And the holidays can trigger a lot of it because many of us have old memories of childhood that have left us with unresolved things. So it might be that when you were a child, you really enjoyed the holidays and it was a really wonderful time, but now maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel that, oh, this is not how the holidays are supposed to be. I'm doing something wrong. It's the darkest time of the year. And, um, and then so then we can get into a self-medication situation. And then that perpetuates very dramatically the sense that we're failing, we're doing something wrong, uh, and that we're after no matter what we've done to try and lift ourselves up, we're just losers. We can't do it. There's something wrong with us. So, and what, what also can get triggered for people in this negative pleasure is, because this used to happen to me all the time. It was a real thing for me, uh, is that I would go way past, quickly go past the point of enjoyment to now I'm just, what am I doing? I'm just trying to zone out. I'm trying to stuff myself in some way, you know, zone out with cigarettes, alcohol, work, exercise. I mean, I try all these different things. And uh, I would get to this place very quickly where I was getting numb, but I would just keep going and going and going until it was, I had really gotten to a place where I just felt like, what is wrong with me? It was that addictive compulsive tendency. So I'm gonna invite you to just notice, do you have any addictive compulsive tendencies? Is that a thing for you? 
Because for some people, like I, I, I notice my dad, my dad doesn't seem to have any of that except for working. And he would say, no, that's not, he was just working. He was just doing what he needed to do for his work. But I, I, my, my dad would overeat a little bit or he might have, you know, two drinks instead of one. But the self-medicating, I never saw my father like drunk or stumbling or just zoned out. He, he just never did any of that stuff. But my mom did. And so some people don't really seem to have a strong thing around uh, the physical stuff, but they might do it with work. They're compulsively working, 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 working. So where do you go to that kind of addictive compulsive behavior? And you may not, you may not. But I see most of the people I know Either it's part of their past or there's still some vestige of it. It's not completely gone. You know, and for some people, it could be that, um, that now it takes an expression of, let's say, uh, for some people it would be shopping. So for some people, it might be that they are... Um, Helping other people in a compulsive, unhealthy way. I used to see that uh, quite a bit in the spiritual community, that people would be volunteering so much that you'd start to wonder, like, why are you volunteering that much? Why are you helping people that much? What about your family? What about yourself? Don't you need some downtime? But they just, they didn't want to be alone. They didn't want to be by themselves. They didn't want to be with their family. They didn't want to feel how they felt. So they were trying to do something that was good by helping other people, but they were escaping from their own reality. So people do it as a volunteer, obsessive-compulsive volunteering. It's actually a thing. So the invitation here is to notice it without judgment and to look at it from a space of your inner child is probably crying out for something. And what might that be? Because you know, children can do that. They can be very obsessive, overindulgent, losing track of what's healthy. So what might your inner child be truly crying out for? Do you have any sense of it? It's going to give you 
uh, a little bit of time to contemplate that. I'm going to pause the recording here. Often when doing this kind of work, I find it helpful to put my hand in my heart and to close my eyes and just say, Spirit, what's this about? So you might think about when you go into that place of uh, overindulgence or distraction, needing, wanting, craving, And what would truly be helpful is what you're choosing truly helpful. If not, what would be truly helpful? Here's, oh, here's another thing that we can get addictive compulsive about that can often feel like a negative. So an unhealthy pleasure, uh, something that seems pleasurable, familiar, even comforting when we're engaging in it, but we know that we are actually harming ourselves by engaging in it. So another one is things like complaining, gossiping, going on to a rant about something, right? So we can do that kind of thing, the complaining, the gossiping, the ranting, um, that it feels, in a sense, pleasurable. Why? Because we, we feel energized by it. We go feeling numb, right, to feeling energized. So some of the, the patterns can even be that we feel afraid, we feel worried, we feel worthless, we feel hurt. And then we want to escape that, 
We feel confused. I used to feel confused a lot. We want to escape that. So we go to the self-medication. And then we start to feel really numb. And then sometimes we turn around and we start to rant, be angry, or feel super, super sad. We feel some intense emotional charge that makes us feel alive. We can go into that, and it's yet another escape from what's really going on with us. It's a detour. It's a And if the ego had a personality or was a separate being, which it's not, it's just a thought system, it's a thought pattern of separation. If the ego had its own volition, it might say, ha ha, gotcha, gotcha. So that's why it feels so debilitating when we fall into these patterns because we're in that familiar place of ego identification. But then it can very much feel like quicksand or it can feel like a whirlpool pulling us down. We've lost control. And a lot of times we just keep going till we bottom out. And that's what I used to do all the time. And I did it all in secret. Hiding it from people. As I didn't want anybody to know because I felt so, so bad about myself for it. My own compulsivity, lack of control was frightening to me. And I was ashamed of it. So I used to hide it. But now I can see that my inner child was simply crying for attention. And I couldn't handle it. So I was trying to drown it out. Just trying to drown it out, distract myself from it, because I didn't know how to help. So what I'm going to invite us to do is to go into a breakout and just see what, what resonates here and what is it that you feel your inner child is trying to communicate with you, where you are with this. Do you have any fears around it? Where are you right now with these kinds of habits and patterns that seem to grab and pull us down? Do you feel that's over for you now? Where are you with it now? All right. 
so welcome back and let us look at this inquiry uh, as we're going to review here from this perspective the more we release the attachments remember attachments come in two fundamental categories cravings and aversions right so these are our judgments our opinions the things that we're offended by the things we love to hate our grievances the old hurts and regrets and resentments the guilt blame shame all of these things that we started with at the beginning of the year right when we did the taking stock and we came up with that list of 11 memories that I invited you to do a self-forgiveness letter on each one of them to let them go forever. So it's these, the more we eliminate these kinds of things, the more bandwidth or the more capacity we have to see the choice the choice to choose love or the choice to choose limitation, attack, lack, and separation. So when we have that ability to get in that gap, right, between seeing the choice and making the choice, then that's where uh, we take our power back right? And we start to get some real distance from identification with the ego. So looking at it from this perspective now, what are you noticing? What do you see has shifted and changed in you from a year ago? And what's important to you now? What are you interested in choosing now? Where do you see that you feel weak and where do you see that you feel strong so anybody like to share Any ahas from your breakout? Good, Jeannie, and then Laurel. So I feel strong in my prayer practice, uh, and and I don't even call it a practice because it's just um, I I started with just doing it in the morning and in the evening, and probably in Masterful Living One, I I don't, I don't know if I even did it. I try to do it in the evening, you know, and. And the Masterful Living, too, I'm like trying to do it in the morning and the evening. And now I'm just trying to do it all the time. And um, what I, I feel really strong in my prayer. I feel it's just effortless. It feels connected. And it, there's, I'm completely out of my um, mind, like thinking, my normal thinking when I'm in it. And it feels so good. So that part feels really strong. Um, what, what feels weak is I think my gratitude still, I, I think I, there's like in my gratitude, I, I'm still in my head, like I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. 
And sometimes I, I feel it in my heart, but in general, it feels more like um, I'm list making, right? Um, and, um, and, and even when I, when I try to shift and go, okay, I'm going to be grateful and, and I'm, it just, it, that part still feels weak is all I'm saying. Okay, great. Yeah. Good awareness. It's good to have that awareness, isn't it? Yeah. And now I'm actually grateful for my awareness before I would resent it because I'm like, oh, now I just know I'm not aware or not. <laughs> so, and I, and I think one of the things I repeat all the time, which you say is awareness is curative. And so, yeah. And healing. Yes, it is. Yeah. So we, we can judge ourselves for being unaware or we can be grateful. Oh, I just realized I went unconscious. Yeah. Beautiful, Jeannie. Thank you. I saw Laurel raising a hand too. And uh, just before you share, Laurel, I'd also, if anybody had any ahas or insights about what it is that your inner child is looking for. So, Laurel. Okay, well, now I have two responses. <laughs> so, the first response to the, the question that you asked was, um, when you were talking about having, um, you said there's two ways to have attachments. Um, one was the craving and the other one was aversion. And into my mind just popped this aversion. I've never even put, I don't think, down on my list. You know, I've done this for two years. But I realized that my aversion and my judgments about people that hurt animals hasn't, has not uh, switched one bit since I've been in masterful living. And I haven't really worked on it, so how could it, right? But, but it just came flashing into my mind as soon as you said aversion. Um, because when I, anybody even starts to tell me a story about an animal getting hurt, I have to ask them to please stop. I can't hear it. I already I get the point. So don't tell me. I don't want to have that picture in my mind. Yeah. That, that's really understandable. A lot of times I don't want to have any kind of pictures like that in my mind either. And I'm very empathic. Like if somebody tells me, oh, I fell down the stairs, my whole body goes, ooh. However, what I can say is that I've learned that, like, I can feel, I used to feel that, ooh, cringing, uh, like, it was a, just like an electric bolt through my body when somebody would tell me about their physical pain, or even if I'd see somebody get hurt on television and things like that, um, but now... I still feel that electric jolt go through my body, but it doesn't pain me. So I'm not feeling that empathic pain because my mind is, is more clear that, uh, of, of what the truth is and I'm not judging it. So one thing I would just suggest to you, Laurel, is every day uh, pray a prayer of compassion for people who abuse animals and so to have compassion for them because love is the healer and compassion is an expression of love 
So you could just really make a prayer for all the people who feel, um, who harm animals or harm other living things that uh, they are blessed and the grace of God is active in their life. Because let's face it, if, if you're harming beings, what would be the It would be that you would have the awareness to stop and instead to be truly helpful. So to me, I think it's very powerful to bless people and, and to um, shine the light of God's grace on their life and being. And uh, I, don't, I don't have to think about retribution or punishment or karma or anything like that. Just blessing them. Because the greatest blessings in my life are my awakening ability to see, oh, I can make a higher choice. That, that to me is the greatest blessing in my life is when I actively can see that there's a, a higher choice and I have the ability to make it. That's, that's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. And as you said yeah. that, praying for them, I could feel my heart start, start to soften a bit about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Sonia's raising her hand here. Hey, Sonia. Let's see, where, can you unmute yourself? Where'd you go? Yes. Thank you. Great. I also wanted to ask about that same topic, but with children, because I feel that same way with animals, but also very much so with children. If, if I hear any harm coming to children or witness parents um, being harsh with their children, which I do sometimes because I'm around kindergartens with my son and I wondered whether as, as well as praying and doing it that way that you explained, is it appropriate to also say something if you're a witness and it's happened right there in front of you or just do the blessing? What? That's my conundrum. I would wonder... Should I say yeah. That's a really good question, Sonia. So um, I, I'm of the, the kind to say something. But the thing is, is we don't wish to be ego-directed. We wish to be spirit-directed. Spirit, what am I to say? What am I to do? It's that truly helpful prayer. And to allow ourselves to be led and guided. Uh, a number of times I've told the story of one time I was in a grocery store and there was a man there and he had in his shopping cart like a five, six girl and he was telling her mean things like she was stupid and, and she should shut up and sit down and be quiet and um, that she was bad. And, but speaking to her in such a disrespectful way And so the, the, and he seemed to be her father. And so he, he stepped away from the, and he was very, like, he seemed very well educated and, and um, 
well off and it was a nice neighborhood. Um, and he stepped maybe 10, 15 feet away from the cart to get something. And I just went right over to the cart and I looked in the little girl's eyes and I said, there's something wrong with your father. He should not speak to you that way. Fathers should not speak to their little girls the way your father's speaking to you. There's something wrong with your father. And my, that was my guidance in that moment was to plant the seed that there was nothing wrong with her. There was something wrong with him. Just to plant that one little seed in her mind. I'm not, I don't now it was 20 years ago. I don't know what I would do now. Mm. I do, um, like you say, ask spirit to guide me. And I often um, just go, well, I feel like I'm guided to do it silently. But then afterwards, I feel I come, I get a little bit judgy on myself and say, well, that was pretty, you were a bit weak, you know, that was a bit weak of me to not say something, but I didn't know what to say. So what, what was I to say? You know, and, and I feel good about doing the prayer, the blessing, but there's this little inkling of, come on, you, you can do better than that. <laughs> so what's a specific example, Sonia? Okay, well, um, okay, this child had been um, running around out the front of the school and uh, that cars come and park and he'd actually run into a car park space when a car was going backing in to park into that space and the father rushed over I sort of um I was there I was in my car right next to the empty space where the child walked into so I saw it happening and then the the father came over and got the child but um immediately started to berate the child for being an idiot and blamed the child for this whole situation the child's only four years old and um i felt like that father didn't take responsibility he should have held the child's hand while he was in a car park not blame the child for being loose in a car park and putting himself in danger and so yeah he really went to town on the child about what an idiot he was and he should you know how he should be cunning and all this kind of talk and I I immediately went into blessing the child silently and I walked past the dad was holding the kid and um as I walked past behind them I just said bless him bless him but just quietly so I don't know that was all I could do so now in hindsight, having thought about it some, what might you say? Um, I would like to say to the father that, um, to, you know, be mindful of the fact that he has a, you know, duty of care for a child that's so young to, to keep hold of that child when there's, cars around that it's um it's his responsibility for that child's safety not the child's responsibility the child can't be 
responsible for his own safety at that age. But it comes, I feel like it would come across as me being preachy or self-righteous. Yeah. And stepping the boundaries of, you know, that parent's sovereignty over his own parenting. Yeah. So one so one thing that comes to my mind Sonia is to ask um the teacher or the we we have the principal of the schools like the leader of the school um what to say in those situations and or and or to request that perhaps the parents be given a lesson in mindfulness with their children so that no one gets hurt. That those are some things. Um, another thought for you, Sonia, would be to say to the father something like, boy, I know what it's like with a four-year-old because when my son was four, it took me a while to really realize he doesn't have the um, intelligence to even think about the cars. That, that's my job. And uh, I know exactly what it feels like to be in that situation with your child, you know. So that's a way of kind of pointing out to him that yeah. the his his error in thinking without calling it an error and having compassion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I've seen that with a lot of parents that uh, I, I've just seen that with a lot of parents that they're, they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, he should know better. She should know better. And it's like, really? They're only seven. How should they know better? But the parent has a false perspective on how aware or intelligent their child is. It really has to do with awareness yeah. that a lot of adults think that their children are far more aware than they are just because they can play video games better than they can. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because their, their four-year-old learned how to use their computer faster than the parent. Mm. Yeah. So they think the child has all this awareness that it does not have. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I've yeah. just seen it with many parents. They're complaining that their children are not more mature and they're worried about their children not being more mature, but they have a very um, skewed idea of what yeah. their child's awareness could actually be at that age. Yeah, they're not little adults, they're children, they're, they're different. <laughs> well, uh, but a lot of parents do not know that. Okay. You know, especially parents who ha did not have lots of younger siblings. They just, they don't have a way of knowing. They don't know. And, and and then those parents complain about their respectful 
or stupid, but it's like, no, those children, they have no idea. They do not have that level of awareness. Yeah, that's something I'd like to, I'd like to make them aware. I want them to know that children are so innocent. Yes. They are the innocent ones. Yes. Yeah. All right. Mitzi. Um, I was reminded by um, a story that I heard one time by a teacher, Tara Brock, who uh, was talking about something similar in a grocery store that, um, and, um, and I knew that I felt this, the same frustration I'm hearing from people. I wanted to say something, you know, like, oh, you shouldn't talk to them that way. But I did know that that wasn't really uh, the way that I should go about it. And um, Tarsa said, she um, said, oh, what a beautiful child you have. It must be difficult to keep up with such an energetic child. I don't remember how old she was. And um, she's, and then she recounted her own struggle when her child was that age and had so much energy and how she, uh, you know, found herself frustrated sometimes trying to keep up and keep her safe. But it was the saying that, oh, what a beautiful child you have that opened the window for her to be able to say something. And I've always hoped that I would remember to say something like that when I get into those situations. So, what? My Beautiful. two cents. Yeah. Thank you, Mitzi. So, Sheila's put in the chat here. We're at time here also. Sheila put in the chat a while ago um, that her inner child is looking for peace and attention. Freedom from worry, because children do not worry. And um, Suzanne writes, my inner child is looking for safety and trust. And Sheila says, yes, I can't stand seeing adults being harsh with children. And it might be that the parent was acting out of fear. So yes, whenever anybody's yelling or harsh, they're acting out of fear without question. That's the truth of it. And, um, and our inner children are looking for protection from us. They're looking for respect and honoring. They're looking for recognition, not just attention, but recognition recognition in the videos it's come up a number of times lately that in the masterful living videos um which i i showed you in um last week uh that you can go to your masterful living site and in the sidebar actually it's on this side here um there's videos and uh, there's a number of videos there. I'm inviting you to watch the, uh, the videos that you haven't seen there, uh, particularly uh, um, uh, doing time, doing Vipassana, and um, 
the Hewland's inner child meditation there, Dr. Hewland's inner child meditation. Uh, that that's a great meditation to help support the healing of the underlying pattern that triggers us into compulsive behavior. And one other thing I can share with you that I've observed in myself is that when I'm overexhausted and overtired, that's the time when I'm most likely to go to self-medication. And um, that's what I observed in myself and that's what many, many people have shared with me. So let's love ourselves and not go to that exhaustion. Um, for most exhaustion over doing it is completely optional. We don't have to go to that length. The ego is driving us and we don't have to be driven by the ego. All right, Paula, I saw you uh, waving your hand there. Did you want to have a last word here? Um, um, what I wanted to say uh, to Sonia, and when we were talking about parents, um, I had an aunt who was yelling at her three children. Uh, at the on the sidewalk outside of her house and somebody walked by and said i am glad she's not my mother and that triggered this woman she realized that she was acting as her mother had and been yelling and you know uh Irrever uh, irreverent toward the children. And that, if that man hadn't said that at that moment, I mean, maybe somebody else would have said it at some time. But my point is that maybe you, you might say something that would be an aha or a life changing statement for that person. And, um, it changed how she raised her children. She became a really loving mother from that point because she became aware of how she was just because that statement was thrown at her. So I'm just saying. This. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who knows if I was in that grocery store, spirit might have me say something like, like, I'm so sorry your father was cruel to you when you were a child, and it's still bothering you. Uh, that might have been a very healing thing that you said to, I mean, it was a healing thing to that child. But. That was my intention. That was my intention, to help give her some perspective. You know, I thought that was the, just in that moment, that was the best I could do. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Obviously, there's more we can discuss here. Um, and Araba says, yes, it's like the toddler in us remains tired, hungry, uh, equals meltdown. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's the truth. So some attention for 
the inner child. And even if we've never done something like that in our whole life, we can just do that healing meditation. It's 16 minutes. And just think, if you could take 16 minutes and do that inner child meditation instead of having a meltdown, that's an act of self-love, right? It's, it's like this, too. A lot of times, the ego would rather have us spend hours and hours going store to store to store to store to find something in the pouring rain, getting frazzled and exhausted, rather than just taking 90 seconds to go, okay, spirit, What's your guidance? That is how it works. We have so much available to us, but we must ask and receive, be present to it. So let's do that right now. So grateful and so thankful for all of our changes and shifts so grateful and so thankful to let go of all attachments all cravings and aversions so grateful and thankful to partner up with the higher holy spirit self and to remember and recognize the beauty and the truth of who we really are so grateful and so thankful to see the beauty and the truth of who everyone really is so grateful and so thankful to allow ourselves to nurture and recognize our inner children, to value them, and to hold them close. So grateful and so thankful to lay aside the habits of shame. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. In gratitude, we allow ourselves to liberate and to know what's true. In gratitude, we let the healing be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Beautiful. Really do try that Hugh Lynn video, the meditation. Mwah. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye.